time to step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Three-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Two-time Toast of Music City Best Sports Reporter. And Glenn Blackwell. Brought to you by E610 Athletes. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Intern Alley, producer Josh behind the glass there. And hey, we are rounding up hockey block here. Hockey, 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 hockey. block. So, Glenn, we're going to spend the entire hour talking hockey. Where I know that Spider Jack over here, Intern Jack, has got some great stats for us as well. At Intern Danielle does. Studio too. So, there's a, there's a lot to discuss. Let's go ahead and start with last night's game. Okay, let's move on past last night's game. <laughs> I think it's better this way. Oh, my gosh. So let's I, not even touch I, on I it. I teased on Twitter that we were going to cover, you know, do some real talk, do some oh, the positives and some of the negatives and things like that. In that game, let's look at the negatives, uh, the majority of it. So let's see, what, 55 minutes? Not good. Not good hockey. Uh, and then, then you had Philip Forsberg. Scoring on a six on three, which, dear God, if you don't score on a six on three, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Yeah, that's when you close your eyes and you're like, if this doesn't happen, I don't really have an explanation. Now, they had two power play goals, and apparently, if I heard correctly, that was the first time the Predators have had two power play goals in one game since December 29th. Yeah, you. I mean, you, you love to hear that it happened, but when yeah. you think about how long it's been since it's happened before... It's a little unnerving. A, a, a tad. A wee bit. <laughs> a wee bit unnerving. So the thing is, and I've been leading up to this week, that one, it's a road trip week. Two, it's it's three games out west. Three, two of those teams are quote-unquote bad. <laughs> Anaheim and L.A. One is actually a true litmus test. Anaheim... They weren't supposed to be the litmus test. No. <laughs> San Jose is supposed to be the litmus test. Yeah, San Jose is one in the Pacific. Anaheim is seven. Yeah. And I think the Predators' biggest mistake, aside from letting them win the game, <laughs> was that they they kind of just played into exactly what a team that stands in the standings that low would want. You know, they're letting somebody like Daniel Sprong, who hasn't, scored anything basically in the month of February um, score and when you allow for those opportunities for a team that is not doing well you are playing into it and of course that team is going to capitalize on that and they're going to get that jolt of energy that you should have come out of the game with and you didn't and they're going to win the game and that is a game that you cannot lose when you've got Winnipeg and St. Louis not playing that well. I will say that. They're all struggling as of and late. And Dallas. Dallas. They're all struggling as of late. But you cannot lose those games. And the Predators lost that game. They did. And once again, they were coming from behind. They were down two goals. Oh, they were down three goals. But they were playing from behind. And even then, you didn't start seeing what we wanted to see more out of the Predators until late in the second period or even the third period. 
they were not playing their game at all that we know they're capable of doing when they're on. That's the frustrating thing is that they're having god-awful starts and then having to rely on so many other factors to get back into these games. Mm -hmm. That is extremely frustrating because they're doing it against teams that are desperate and then against Anaheim, who's not even desperate. Like, Anaheim, they're they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. (laughs) Okay? Right now, they're at 65 points, so they're 10 points back. It'd take a miracle. They're not not a desperate team. Desperate teams are Arizona, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, Chicago even. Chicago is six points out of a playoff spot, and they're bad. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) if you look back at last season, when the Predators would come from, but they would go down a goal or two, right? And everyone watching had the confidence in the team because they had seen it repeatedly before. They'll be able to, they'll be able to, to push themselves out of this because they had, they had the energy, they looked like they had the motivation and they would find a way to come back and win. Mm -hmm. The team that everyone has been watching the last couple of months is not that same, doesn't have that same energy. They don't have that same jolt that's going to push them through. So when you start a game and you go down two goals, they don't look as confident that they're going to be able to get themselves back out of it, which is why those starts are so important. But the Predators don't look like those starts are that important to them. And we'll talk about this more in the next segment as well. But it's one of those things that looking at this three-game road trip as well, just this three-game road trip, because after that, you got a tough part of the schedule. And now, granted, the strength of schedule for Nashville is nowhere near as difficult as, I think, Winnipeg had a much more difficult schedule. St. Louis has one of the easiest schedules to close up in terms of number of times they're playing against teams that are in the playoffs. But Nashville, Anaheim, L.A., San Jose. Then Toronto, who is at the time of the show right now getting demolished by Chicago 5-1 to one and getting booed off their ice in Toronto. They their own problems. But then you have Pittsburgh, and then Winnipeg, and then Minnesota desperate team, and then Pittsburgh again, and then Columbus. Th- this is the road trip when I'm looking at it going, okay, if they can get four out of six points. They still could. Mm-hmm. They still could. But the four I was thinking was going to be Anaheim and L.A. Because mm-hmm. we go back to what? Was it last month when they beat L.A. and Nashville 2-1? to one. Again, L.A., one of the worst teams in the league, and I didn't see a, a dominant effort. What I want to see is domination because we've seen spurts of that for five minutes here for one period, and maybe they don't score, but you'd see the way they're cycling the puck. They're, they're controlling the offensive zone. They're doing everything they possibly can, and maybe they're not going to score a lot of goals, but you see the effort there. You see the, the way they're controlling everything, and eventually that wears down teams. It wears bad teams down. You see it all the time to where you get that feel, and we've seen it so many times to where a team that just cannot hang with a more skilled and talented team, they're going to get scored upon. You keep it in their zone for so often. You're not, you're not seeing that. You're not seeing that right now for the National Predators. They have way too much skill for, for this to be happening. And so that's what I'm, I'm very concerned about right now with the National Predators is that, yes, there are 11 games left. That's time to start getting things figured out. But when are we going to see that? Maybe, maybe it's one of those things that they're playing down to the competition. And all of a sudden, we're going to see them go out and give everything against San Jose. But you have L.A. still. Mm-hmm. And, and the other concern is that uh, the funny concern is in the Central Division. Does anyone want to win this division? I swear. I'll take no for 200. <laughs> no Alex. one wants to win this division. Winnipeg could have walked away with it with the way that Nashville's playing, the way St. Louis started. St. Louis has cooled off. They're 4-4-2 in their last 10 after they went on their huge winning streak. Mm-hmm. Nashville, 5-5 five and five playing... Right there, that's 500 hockey. 
Yep. And, and the Jets are four, six, and zero. Oh. I mean, yeah. they're they're all each other's saving grace. Like the Predators saving grace right now. The reason why yeah. they're able to stay where they are is because of that. But it goes, you know, the opposite way too. It's like they're all of them are staying stagnant, and yeah. it's interesting because you would think one of them is going to bounce. One of them is going to try to push to win the Central. It's crazy. It's yeah. so weird the way that everything's playing out right now. If, if they're not careful, Dallas is going to come in and win the division. No, no, oh, no, no, no. 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 <laughs> Let's <laughs> not get ahead of ourselves. Mathematically, it's still a possibility. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy it is that you have, mathematically, you have five teams vying for the division. Because mm-hmm. Minnesota, even though they're currently out of a playoff spot, they're only 10 points behind Winnipeg. Now, granted, Winnipeg has a game in hand in Minnesota, so there's, there's, there's that. But... You don't have a clear winner here, and that's just all sorts of messed up when you see the Central because overall it's been a, it's been a fairly weak division this year. They're beating up on each other. Yet Nashville, thanks to Spider Jack for this, has lost six division games, uh, three against St. Louis, which is bad, two against Winnipeg and Colorado. You can't be losing those games, especially the games lately because those are potential future matchups. I mean, you could see the way that it's lining up right now where Nashville could be facing Winnipeg or St. Louis in the first round. Talk about a bloodbath. Ooh. The physicality behind those two. Yeah. And that's that's not what you want to see. Would you rather see Nashville taking on Minnesota or Arizona? Maybe. I mean, those are teams that are having to claw in and fight, kind of like Nashville had to do a couple years ago in the Stanley Cup final run. But we're not seeing that sense of urgency. We're going to discuss that next segment, the sense of urgency, because the way that they've been playing is not urgent. And even when they're behind, and there's not urgent. Whereas you mentioned before, Glenn, that in times past, when the Predators were down, there wasn't that concern or worry because you knew they had the firepower, they had the skill, they had the the finish before last season, especially that, oh, they're down by a goal. <laughs> it's okay. Mm-hmm. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. And they would. Mm-hmm. And they would. And this team has overall stayed together and they added some more pieces to it. And some of those pieces are starting to contribute. But this team overall, they're not playing well in front of their goaltenders all the time. They're having defensive lapses. They're not making tape-to-tape passes. There are so many things that are just not clicking right now. And is there time for it to still click? Yes, there's still time for it to still click. But I want to see glimpses of that, not efforts like you've seen against Anaheim. If you're having trouble against a team that's in the top three in their division, okay, I understand that. They're a good team. If you're struggling against a team like Anaheim – you're struggling against a team like Detroit. You're struggling against a team like Los Angeles. There is serious cause for concern there because those are the teams that, if anything, you go out and you say, look, guys, we play our game. We're going we're gonna to dominate. And you should. No matter what preparation the other team has made, you should dominate them. And it shouldn't, I shouldn't be mentioning all three of those teams and all three of those would be losses. Maybe one of them's a loss because in sports anything can happen. It happens. Yep. It happens. But all three of those – Losses? Come on. Come come on now. That's that's yeah. getting ridiculous. Especially with all the practice time you're getting now. You're getting lots of practice time. This team is way better than what they're executing right now. And that's what it is. They have more skill on this roster than they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Seriously, they have more skill on this roster on paper than they've ever had. It's that execution factor they're not doing. Okay, up next, going to continue talking about the Predators and some of the struggles. And we'll take a look at the urgent factor positives and more negatives because we're going to deep dive discuss on penalty box radio listening to Nashville's best sports talk ESPN 1025 the game (music) 
And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Lynn Blackwell, Intern Alley, Mr. Josh behind the glass. All right, so we were talking and teasing about urgency for this Predators team. And, Glenn, looking at the schedule, too, what's been concerning is the schedule that they've been playing is they've been playing a lot of teams that are urgent because of where they're at in the standings. And that's not an excuse. It's that the level of competition and play that they are facing teams that have to win to stay in the hunt, whereas the Predators have basically been in it since the beginning. They're riding a cushion that they had at the very beginning of the season. The very beginning of the season, if they Mm -hmm. had not started off on a tear like they did, they'd be battling for a wild card spot. Now, that's a lot of ifs. Oh, yeah. For sure. 13-3 and no start is is a really good start. It's a good cushion, yeah. And it's a good cushion because they're riding that, and you can almost play 500 hockey or just over 500 hockey, and you're still hovering above because you As wait. As we're seeing right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> you look, you look at the way that the standings go, and 40 wins is considered decent, yet mm-hmm. that's only winning half your, about half your games. Yeah, yeah. Because you have overtime losses, shootout losses, everything like that. So the concern with the urgent factor is that, I mean, Carolina, obviously Carolina's urgent. Playing urgent hockey, they they have to win to keep battling. Mm-hmm. I mean, Minnesota, they got two wins in the shootout, but those are barely wins. And Minnesota, right now, currently out of the playoff spot, urgent. Anaheim, not urgent. Winnipeg, they're Winnipeg. <laughs> then you have St. Louis with own the Predators in February. The Predators only got one point out of three games against St. Louis in the month of February. They're playing urgent hockey. Once they bought in, they're playing urgent hockey. Mm-hmm. And Detroit, we already mentioned. So my question is, what is urgent hockey? And I think urgent hockey is you're seeing the speed of the game heightened. You're seeing players, yeah, maybe they're gripping their sticks too tight sometimes, but you're seeing them execute at a much higher pace. You're seeing them fight and battle to win little things, too. You're seeing them battle for the puck in the dirty areas. All these cliche terms that you see. You're seeing them shoot the puck whenever they get the opportunity to. You're seeing them convert on the power play. You're seeing goaltending step up. And we're not seeing much of that at all unless it's just in spurts. We're not seeing that for full games mm-hmm. like we're seeing in a lot of competition. And seeing as <laughs> the Predators in terms of streaks that they've been able to put together since January 1st, they've only had two winning streaks of – sorry, three winning streaks of two-plus games. Mm. Two-plus. I, I yeah. went to the bare minimum. Yeah. Two-plus games. Then they've only had two winning streaks of three-plus games. January 1st. There's a lot of games they played. They played the most games in the league up until a few days ago. Now they've had, uh, in terms of two-game losing streaks, they've had four of those. And usually this team, what we always used to say before the past two seasons, especially last year, is they wouldn't lose back-to-back, right? Mm-hmm. It, we just would not see that happen. They yep. would respond. They'd lose a game. Bounce they'd back. respond and bounce back and win the next one. And we're not seeing that this season. In terms of three-game losing streaks, they've had one. Three-game losing streak. So they're And sometimes they're finding a way to get some points. Mm-hmm. And that's great and everything. And we always look back at this this game here, this game there of, oh, well, you know, if they would have had this one point in this game, maybe they would have had home ice advantage. And the, with the way the Central's going, it really could come down to one point to determine home ice advantage. And people say, well, they had home ice advantage last year and didn't mean anything. Look, 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 look. That game went to, to, to seven, and it was a good battle between two really good teams, and the Predators made their own fair share of mistakes, and then they couldn't win at home. They only won one home game out of the four, right? But overall, you obviously want home ice advantage because of coaching intangibles. The coach gets to make the, the last change because he sees who's out there. That right there is huge. 
in terms of being able to make the last change because you're able to put the right matchups out there. And God knows we don't know what the lineup's going to be like because we keep getting things shaken up so much here. We pretty we can't even say Jofa's going to be a line because that's gotten shuffled and then it comes back together all of a sudden because that's the line that produces. Yeah, yeah. And so, what you can what you can hope as a Predators fan is that we start to see these in the next 11 games. We start to see these shifts and changes because what you don't want to happen is to start to see those in the first couple of games of the playoffs because at that point you could already be it could already be too late. And you know, all this talk over the last couple of months about what exactly is missing? What is missing from this team? And I think that the biggest problem right now is that it's not just one thing. Right now, it's not just the power play. It's not just, you know, one little thing that you can tweak after a couple of games and fix. It's allowing two goals and not scoring three. It's lapses in defense. It's incomplete passes. It's low faceoff percentages. It's an overall lack of what you said, urgency, and effort there. And you look, too, at, like, not even just top goal scorers that are expected to perform on this team, but playmakers are underperforming. Not even the top goal scorers. You look at Callie Yarncroke, for instance, somebody you'd expect to be generating chances, moving around, creating opportunities. In his last five games, he's notched nothing on the board. He got two goals in early February. He had two assists in mid-February, and that was it. As of, I think, February 25th, there's been nothing. You look at Kyle Turris, he came back from injury on February 7th. He notched an assist and one goal in the month of February and two assists in March, and that's it. So it's like you've got to – everybody has got to have that overall effort. There's not just one thing missing from this team. And Pecorine, after the game against Anaheim last night, saying that it was a sleepy game. Who wants to hear their goaltender say it was a sleepy game? Your goaltender is not going to be able to play his best game when it looks like everybody's sleeping out there. So it's it's overall <laughs> lack of urgency and effort. It's that that's Pecorine do, doing the nice thing in terms mm-hmm. of calling out his team. Yeah. That's a nice way to put it. Now uh, Pekka and obviously love and adore Pekka and and what he's been able to do, but he's really cooled off mm-hmm. a lot. And looking again, thanks to Jack, since January 1st, save percentage for Pecorine since January 1st. It's not overall. Pecorine's save percentage since January 1st is 822. Mm-hmm. Saros 933. Yeah. Now I think most people have been in agreement that Saros should be should be getting fifty percent at least of the starts, if anything. One to rest Pekka, two to make sure Saros is fresh because you just never know what's going to happen. But the thing too that we've noticed in terms of a flip, and I think it was um, our analytics guys George and, and Michael that have looked at this earlier in the season, and Peter Laviolette even called them out for it. They were not playing well. The defense, especially, was not playing well in front of Yusuf Saros, and he was struggling, and he needed the team to be better in front of him. Right now, that's happening with Pecorine, that they're allowing more high-danger opportunities with Pecorine in net, and then Pecorine is also not saving them. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the big trouble right there is that Rene, they're allowing these, these things to happen, but Rene's not saving them. Saros is making more of those saves, obviously, because it's a higher save percentage. Yeah. But the team overall is playing better in front of Saros than in front of Rene. Back then, Laviolette challenged him to play better. In front of Saros, and then they respond, and they did because that's when they responded to things. Yeah, and and, and think it too, like devil, devil's advocate here, mm-hmm. like in Rene's defense, you know, okay, he's letting that in because there's this mental thing that keeps building, building every time they lose, where he, you know, probably shoulders a lot of that. Okay, they score one or two. Why are the Predators not scoring three or four? Right, and there, there's so many factors going into this, and I think it's just. It, it, some people will say, well, maybe they're just coasting the playoffs. I hope not. 
You do not want to you coast the playoffs. Want that. No. And then are they too comfortable? They they possibly could be too comfortable. A lot of people are not liking what's being said in post game. They're not liking well that they admit that there's a problem, but then they're not seeing that it being fixed. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of thing too where I'm looking at this, and I know leadership gets is getting questioned. Predators Facebook when Facebook's actually working mm-hmm. <laughs> is questioning everything. Everybody's calling for somebody's head, and I understand the frustrations. I totally understand the frustrations. Mm-hmm. First of all, what I want to make sure everybody knows is we don't know what's going on in the locker room. We don't know how many meetings they've had as a team together or players only or whatnot. They're obviously very aware of the situation. They're not dumb when it comes to that. But for those that want players screaming and yelling and things like that, most of the time you don't respond well to your friends when you're getting screaming and yelled at, right? Mm -hmm. You usually don't. You want to be supportive. You want to try to figure out a way to win. You want to you want to do that. That's that's there, the typical. Yeah, and there's a way to hold each other accountable without exactly. getting angry. Exactly. And so, well, do it on the ice. No, you want to you want them to lose their composure. That's even worse. No. If you notice the team losing their composure, like Pecorini's done before. And so mm-hmm. when you see him swat his goalie stick against the post, very rare. Very rare, rare that he does that. But you don't want to see this team lose their composure either. That's even worse. That right there is asking for a sweep. Yeah. Is when you see them lose their composure. You want them to be composed. But you want them to be responding. And so that's the frustrating factor I know with a lot of fans right now. They're not seeing them respond yep. to the things that they know are not working. Now, I'll say this too. So the power play obviously has been a, a problem all season. And to only think about how confident this team could be if their power play is working. And they finally saw the strategy change. Dan Muse took over, very active in terms of coaching. But <laughs> they have 83 points right now. Could you imagine what it could be if they were converting at just league average? They probably have 10 more points. Yeah. That could be at around 93. Really, because a goal here and a goal there could be wins. Because they've exactly, lost yeah. a couple one-goal games where they've lost in overtime, something like that. Now, another That's another what-if. You never know what's going to happen there. But all those little things in terms of they're not converting. Uh, Jeremy K. Gover put out an article about it was the Devils who had the worst power play. <laughs> and they still went on to win the Cup. Yeah. Which is, which is great. But that team overall was playing very well in, in the season, too. It was just the power play that wasn't working for them. And, I, again, I want to see the flashes of brilliance because right now, I tweeted this out last night, right now you have a few players that are performing well in games and then a lot of passengers. Mm-hmm. Last night I saw I liked Colton Sisson's game on the forecheck. He created some opportunities. But then everyone else on there seemed like a passenger. We've seen Roman Yossi finally take the game into his hands and then score a goal and be ticked off after scoring the goal not even celebrating. Taken into account right there. But you're not seeing a team effort. You're seeing individuals out there and shoot even all the way down to beer league. If you have one player trying to win you the game, you're not going to win the game. It's a team game for a reason. Yeah. And that's that's the frustrating part right now is that you have certain players show up for certain games. And I'm not saying that it's a passion issue. I'm not saying that they don't care because they obviously care. This is their livelihood. They Mm -hmm. they're they're making money now. Maybe they're too comfortable. They're making money. But the thing to me is it's a subconscious mental problem. Yeah, and every, and let's be honest, it's human nature. Every single loss accumulates. It, it does. adds up. And it does. when this goes beyond a three, four, or five game stretch of inconsistent play, it's going to start weighing on the players. And every single loss, they're going to go to the locker room and they're going to say, "Why haven't we gotten this together yet?" And it's going to be easier to become disheveled on the ice. And I think that people need to give them a little bit of leeway as far as the post game interviews like you were saying you know people are wanting them to to be angry but let them repeatedly say we've got to find a way to get better because i think the last thing that i would want to hear is 
them popping off at each other in an interview and saying, we don't know, we can't get this together. We don't know, you know, you don't want that. You want them to stay composed. And yet it's a repetitive, it's a repetitive response. And it, they haven't really acted on what they've said they're going to act on, but let them do that. Because the last thing I think a fan base wants is to hear players popping off after an interview saying they don't know how to get their stuff together. I don't know. Some, some people, somebody want to watch the world burn. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Up next, we're going to talk about, well, Dante Fabro, what could happen there? I mean, Rem Pitlick's been tearing it up with Minnesota. Uh, some UH, UH hockey updates as well. So we're going to cover a lot of things college hockey prospect-wise and more, obviously, in the Nashville Predators. You're on Penalty Box Radio. You're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Andrew Alley, producer Josh, Spider Jack, intern Danielle. We've got a full studio tonight. I know, it's a full house. It's a full house. Fuller house. They're doing the research over there, those two. The, the interns are doing the research and providing it to us as we're going along. Because we have busy we have busy jobs. So really appreciate the interns being mm-hmm. in here. They never stop. Yeah, they never stop working. The hustle never sleeps. Young ones. <laughs> RV hustle. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> Real OG, Josh. You are great. He is on We needed it. that. We needed I that. Okay. It. So there could be some signings coming soon for the Nashville Predators, and one of those being Dante Fabro. Who knows? He's only a junior in college right now, Boston, and plays this weekend against UMass Lowell in the Hockey East Tournament. If they lose that best of three, that means their season's over, and Dante Fabry would be eligible to sign with the National Predators. Now, all those questions arise of, does he want to, does he not want to? I mean, even Bob McKenzie of TSN, there's a heavy rumor going around that Dante Fabry was indicating that he did want to turn pro. There's, I think there's a lot of factors going into that, is that Boston, mostly, I mean, they weren't that strong of a team this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the reason why he kept wanting to go back, too, was one of them was to win a national championship, mm-hmm. to win with his team, kind of the same thing that Jimmy Vesey wanted to do as well with Harvard. Sorry, have it. So, but Dante Favro, the team next year maybe not going to be the best either. And I mean, they're the underdog going into this matchup against UMass Lowell, who's ranked 18th in the country. And Boston is one of those teams that they played very well in conference, but not so well out of conference and everything. So, Favro, who has had a lot of experience overall too, and even playing against the men. I know in Preds Insiders we talked about this too with Ryan Porth, and he played in the Spengler Cup representing Team Canada. So it wasn't the World Juniors; he was playing against men. And, you know, big dudes that have played pro before that have muscled up and everything, not against other guys his age who have years of bulking to put on. So now with Dan Hamhus being on the IR the way he is, and we don't know when that return is going to happen because, I mean, he's missing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see him. And it looked bad. The injury looked that bad. That was hard to watch. Right now, especially – remember you remember what happened to Matt Herwin last night in the game? Do you remember what, do you remember what happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You remember when I re- <laughs> I would like to see Dante Fabro get a chance. I yeah. would I would honestly I would like to see Frederick Alar get a chance. Yeah, I like that Matt Don. I mean Matt Donovan is a serviceable defenseman just because he's had NHL experience as well, which mm-hmm. is good too. But I'd like to see some of these young guys get some yeah, opportunities. Absolutely, yeah. And I learned a long time ago 
to not try to predict whether or not somebody <laughs> wanted to turn pro. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dante Fabro, he's very, very dependable to a defenseman. And he plays with that mature hockey sense for somebody that's not playing at an NHL level right now. He plays with that, which I think could be incredible when he finally gets that, that start. Um, but yeah, so overall, I mean, he's just, I think he's just an overall complete defenseman with offensive upside. That's going to be beneficial, um, once he's finally on this team, if that's, if that's where he's, you know, after this, if this loss happens (laughs) and that's where he ends up, I think he could definitely benefit the Predators. And how about this? He's second on the team in points as a defenseman by only one point. So he has 30 points. That's just behind Joel Farabee. So Dante Fabra defenseman Mm -hmm. has 30 points for Boston. Yep. So it shows too that he's accomplishing a lot. What else can he accomplish? So I, I'd like to, see, especially given the way that it is right now with the Predators, I'd love to see Fabry get in there. Who knows? Maybe he'll Charlie McAvoy it. Maybe he'll just come right in and play some solid minutes. Who knows? The thing is, what I, what I like about how Fabry could really fit in here now is that you know he should know that he's going to get playing time. They can depend on him, and now's a good time. <laughs> Because Absolutely. with Ham Hughes being out, I get a little concerned. Yes, yeah. and if he's wanting to go pro, if he is actually wanting to go pro, then this is a this is a great time. So there we go. There's Fabro. Rem Pitlick is another one. I wouldn't see him being in the lineup right now, but turning pro and giving Milwaukee some help could could certainly help as well. He's leading the Gophers mm-hmm. in Minnesota, 45 points, and they're going against Notre Dame this weekend in the second round of the Big Ten tournament for hockey. Mm-hmm. And so Rem Pitlick's really turned it on. I mean, 21 goals, 24 assists. The dude knows how to score. He's had some yeah. beautiful-looking goals. If you haven't seen those on Twitter, make sure you look that up. But And the little bit that I've gotten to see of his game, he doesn't look to have very much hesitation when no. it comes to getting out there and just playing his game and shooting. So that's something, too, that eventually this Predators team, mm-hmm. they need to adapt that as well. But they also could use somebody that in the future that doesn't hesitate. Yeah, and, and I think that he would be a great addition from depth-wise that mm-hmm. he has the potential to be a, a decent middle six player. Uh, and, and in the future, and obviously, again, Milwaukee could use that help, use some offensive firepower. They had a they had a struggling weekend where they only got one point out of three games. Yeah. They had three yeah. games back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. so it was a tough weekend. But tough. they did get the W uh, today, and Ellie Tolvanen had a ridiculous goal. He was falling down and scored while he was falling down. So getting back to the winning board, a 10.30 a.m. game, a school day's game, uh, also known as the games where Kevin Fiala would flip the bird to, to the opposing team in front of children. <laughs> Uh, Daniel Lavender of Admiral's Roundtable. Love that. Uh, <laughs> uh, good but, but some potential restocking in the cupboard could be happening when there's these college teams lose. We'll in- be interested to see that when that happens. So, Glenn, I wanted to bring back the segment. It's it's been it's been a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, dumb is things this what said. I think it is? Yeah, dumb oh, things said is. on Fred's Facebook. So we have a few here that I've gathered, and the biggest thing is. When you're posting on Facebook when it's working and not down like it has been all day, mm-hmm. I'm always watching. Okay. Always. Always watching. I PBR see when after you post dark. your dumb things on <laughs> Facebook, and then I copy and paste them in an email to myself. <laughs> so just be prepared, folks. You say something stupid, He's it's going to get red on air. Okay. So I would like to note, in last night's game, <clears throat> P.K. Subban was not on the ice for any goal scored against. Okay? He did take a he did have two penalties and everything, mm-hmm. but he was he did not have a minus okay. in the plus minus column. <clears throat> in all caps. Can we please trade PK? First of all, you know it's going to be I mean you already know it's going to be good, but you really know it's going to be good when it starts off with <clears throat> Now, 
the trade deadline has passed, so I think you're going to have to wait till the offseason. <laughs> I, I don't – you know, what's getting to me right now is I don't know who the Preds' new whipping boy is since Fiala's gone. It could be Kyle Turris some nights, uh, P.K. Subban, so, Roman Yossi's becoming – oh, hey, Roman Yossi. Um, here's another one. <laughs> Yossi is awful. He has 15 goals on 246 shots. 246 shots. That's 60 more than second on the team, Forsberg, and he has 24 goals. He's 10th in the entire league for shots. (laughs) Yossi needs to stop being a puck hog and go back to playing defense. (laughs) (laughs) Yossi, you puck hog. Stop trying to produce. You silly puck hog, you. (laughs) Don't produce for this team. You're just a a defenseman. What are you doing? Okay. This one is actually not Preds related, but is laughable because of what this player has accomplished. Okay. Brett Burns is the worst defenseman in the league. (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, my. (laughs) Thank you. I agree. I don't. I don't. I want, like, where would this even. They're just anticipating. I mean, out of all the defensemen up, in the league, that's how you're, that's who you're going with, with the worst in the league. Yeah. I can I think of. I don't know why they said Brent Burns on the Preds. Uh, we'll get you a list of, of people who are worse. When you than. have questions, it's really, it's really tough. That's really. not a question. That's a statement. And it's I know, I know awful. but people ask questions and sometimes, okay. <laughs> and I quote, serious question, dot, dot, dot. Who is the leader, that's in all caps, on the team? Emoji, emoji, shrug. Nash, probably. I really, I really hate to say this, but it isn't the person wearing the C. Oh, that's yet that another was, strip of the C. That was a dagger to the C. There's so many posts of strip Yossi of the C. Folks, you know when you're the captain of a hockey team, most of the time you're not. It's not for you. It's for the team. Mm-hmm. So if you're wanting to strip Yossi of the C. Yeah, you think, well, we can make it Johansson. We can make it Ellis. What What do you want to see out of the No, the captain is for the team, okay? Usually it's voted upon. Or the team has their input on it and everything like that. And none of they, us are in, we're not in it. those meetings. We're not in the room. That's not – we're not there. So we're not there. Yeah. That okay. C that he wears on his chest is not for anybody in the audience. And it's obviously, well, there's too many leaders in this team. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> You know, that's, a, that's terrible. There's too many people that are wanting to lead this team. There's to too many cooks in the kitchen, <laughs> folks. That is not a <laughs> boy. Could, could you imagine if you're analyzing a team and the problem is, you know what? You know what, Jeffrey? They have too many I, leaders. Honestly, I do. I, w- I would love to see less people care <laughs> about where this team ends up in the postseason. I would like to see less oh, people man. care. Let's oh. get on that. That's what's wrong with the team. Too many people care. Yeah, too many too many guys want to oh. be leaders. Too many. <laughs> I just I can't imagine that. Well, there there can't be there can't be that many leaders. No, it's just it's not good for the team. It's not it's not good. Bad juju. Too We're many. We're gonna have leaders. to cut this down to one. Cut it down to one. Strip you them the pick. C. Strip them the but A. You pick, but I'm still not gonna be happy with who you oh, pick. Oh man. Oh, can you imagine how much better this team would Change be if it. a different player was a captain? <laughs> no, no, I think they'd be making the same mistakes. You want you okay. Anyways, up next. We have lots of questions to answer. A lot of them revolving around Peter LaViolette. That's coming up next here on Penalty Box Radio. You're listening to Nashville's Best Sports Talk, ESPN 1025 The Game.
And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E16 Athletes. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, intern Alley, producer Josh. We've got our interns in studio, too. They're providing so much information. And entertainment. How much information? What? How much information, Justin? Thank you, <laughs> intern Alley. You're welcome. <laughs> so we they looked at the losses of the Predators since January 1st. And at the power play. There are a lot of zeros. <laughs> oh, no. In terms of how many times the Predators converted in the power play in those losses. Now, there are a few of these that are one-goal losses, okay? I'm going to hit those. They had a one-goal loss to Detroit. They were 0 for 3. One-goal loss to Columbus, 0 for 2. They had a, uh, let's see, to St. Louis, they had a one-goal loss, 0 for 4. Then they had a one-goal loss, obviously, to Anaheim. They were two for five. How about that? In hours that didn't matter, in the minutes that didn't matter, that, okay? Multiple times they were 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 0 for 4 since January. Oh, oh, that's all oh, I keep hearing. That's a lot of 0 for 4s, yeah. which is obviously showing that teams don't care about taking penalties against the Predators. Mm-hmm. Maybe one time before the season ends, the Predators will make a team pay. That's what they need to do. If you want to instill some fear in your opponent, make them respect you more, you have to make them pay for things like that, right? And what right now? Think, before we get to our questions, if you're an opponent going to play Nashville, what would be one thing that would scare you right now against playing them? That's the scary part is there's not really anything scary right now. They're not threatening. They're not right now. They're not. I mean, even even Forsberg and Arvidsson have kind of cooled off, which which I hate that because mm-hmm. Arvidsson was on a tear since he got back from injury as well. But there's not what what is instilling fear right now? The power play obviously isn't. You don't have a player that's on this huge goal streak where you just want to stop them. You don't have a line that is just overly, overwhelmingly producing. You don't have all this threat of being shut down in no. the zone. Like it's, and it used to be that, you know, not too long ago, players would come into Nashville and they were scared. And, right. And look at the and home record really for Nashville. happening right now. So. Not the best. Okay. Allie, I know you want to address this. We have a couple questions about Peter Laviolette from Sean Merrill and Casey Henson. So, Going to just read this one. Are we seeing the historical trends of a lobby coach team with the Predators, where they reach a peak and slide quickly, or how does Lobby's coaching tenure here match other places in his career? And does he have a trend to just get initially high performances and then mediocrity later? Just what are your thoughts on this? Because right now you're wearing a Philadelphia Flyers knit cap. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Uh, it's not that Laviolette is a bad coach. I sincerely believe that you know he sincerely works hard for this franchise he puts everything he can into it but I think his loyalties and his fellow co-workers may lie in the wrong place I believe that I don't think McCarthy's gonna stick around for long whether he decides to personally remove McCarthy or whether or not Laviolette goes with him but I think McCarthy in the long run at the end of either this year or next year if nothing changes Predators have been fighting this for way too long, and it's been repetitive, and I feel like I'm talking about the same thing every <sighs> week I'm in here. You know, like, that's not how it should be, and it's going to change whether Laviolette goes with them or not. Yeah, it's just, I, I right now, where I stand right now, do not think that this reflects on Coach Laviolette. I think that Coach Laviolette is trying to switch up things as much as possible. I think he is putting that out there for the players, trying to get any type of consistency, any type of chemistry. But right now, where I stand, I think it falls on the players not producing and the players not 
doing exactly what Laviolette says. Now, ha- if this continues for another season or a couple other seasons, okay, yeah, you might have to look elsewhere. But right now, I think you've got to look straight into the players and say they're just not doing their part. And and to go with that, too, with what Ali said, is that uh, <laughs> we've already seen changes happening. So, obviously, Kevin McCarthy is not running the power play anymore because, you, obviously, for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. Damn is. And th- it's going to come down to – if, for instance, if the Predators don't make it out of the first round, I would think that what would happen, and I would believe what would happen, is that there'd be force of a change needs to be made somehow. And it's not going to be the head coach, but the first change usually comes with the assistant coaches if they're running a certain system or something like that. And if you're not willing to make a change there, then that's when you fall on your sword. I know I've seen it all over Twitter. Plenty of people have tweeted that as well. I think they're believing that. And I could see that happening, too, is that you either make a change in the coaching areas or you make a change with the personnel that's on the ice. And one of those two things happen. Now, are we getting a little ahead of ourselves? Absolutely we are. Because for all we know, this team could get it together. In 11 and, games. In 11 games. And all of a sudden go on a tear in the playoffs because they just peak at the perfect time. Because mm-hmm. we've seen that before. But we don't want them to be going into the playoffs like what Chicago did. And then get swept by the Predators. Because yep. that's exactly what Chicago did. They kind of just yep. into the playoffs. And then they end up getting swept. We don't want to see that happen. So anything can happen. I'm not going to be full Debbie Downer in this show. Because anything can happen in sports. They could all of a sudden put it together. They have the talent to do it. It's more about when they decide to execute it. Okay. Now, let's get to another question here. I'm going to scroll to the very bottom. <laughs> this is from Debbie KB. How many times do you think they have said, we have to play better at the start of the game before they actually do it? I love them, but playing solid hockey, 10 out of 60 minutes is not going to bring wins. Is that a lack of confidence, trying to defeat themselves? I think there's some levels of comfort. I think there's some levels of just the quote-unquote gripping their stick too tight, that they're overthinking a lot of things. They know what they need to do. It's a matter of doing it. We've said that how much during this show. Yep. It's just a lack of execution. And for me, I think that right now, like we mentioned earlier, they set themselves up to be able to have games like this and still more than likely get into the playoffs. So, um, But you almost have to wonder if they were having to fight and they had to have that urgency what will we be seeing out of this team right, right. now? Right from Mary Oski. I know she's a big Mikael Granlund fan. Looks like Granny is getting more comfortable with his new teammates, uh, building some chemistry, and had success in the power play last night. What are your thoughts so far? I mean, I think more and more we're seeing him get more comfortable in it. What I did like, I think it was against Carolina, where Granlund just threw his body around. I mean, he was tossing his body. He was an angry Finn. Mm-hmm. out there and I liked seeing that because it meant that he was getting more comfortable with his teammates that he's willing to be a part of this as well and then he had a goal which was a ridiculous way to find out that you score your first goal even though he knew it then it had the whole overturn because of goaltender interference and then they had the challenge of goaltender interference and then mm-hmm. yeah yeah you do your first goal then he assisted on both of Forsberg's goals so I like what I'm seeing out of him so far obviously out of the three new additions Brian Bull seems to have fit right in so so well mm-hmm. um, but I think it's a little easier for him in terms of the expectations out of that as well. You expect Glennon to come in and just produce yeah. as well. But he, he's doing, I think he's doing a great job. He's th- getting back in the mix yep. and we'll go from there. Yeah, I think so too. And I think he can only do as well as the people around him are doing. And right now, as we've talked about, ad nauseum, it's just not going so well right now. So I think that we will start to see more if the Predators can, can get this together. Okay, we have one from How's It Going, eh? Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of use of the word sucks in this. Oh. <laughs> Let's say a team sucks. Well, it doesn't suck, but they play. They suck at many given nights. Is it okay to describe the team as a team that sucks? Or do you have to go back and think to a time when they didn't play like they didn't suck and have to stick to describing them as a non-sucking team? 
I get exactly what Dave is saying here because obviously people take extremes and talk about this team as well. But the Predators are a good team that, is, that are playing poorly. Mm-hmm. They are. I mean, the talent's there. We know the talent's there. Yeah. They're just not executing. They're they're a good team full of very skilled and talented players that are playing poorly. They're playing average. I don't want to say even not even poorly. They're playing average. And you can't be average in the National Hockey League to win games. Nope. When you're average, you're 500. And when you're 11 games away from the playoffs, you can't be average. Yep. Okay. This is from BC Smith, 317. Okay, serious question. Do you see any of the Black Aces making an impact down the stretch and in the playoffs? If so, who? Now, for those of you that are still new, Black Aces are those those prospects and folks from Milwaukee that get called up, and basically they're there for practice and to experience a playoff run and things like that. I would think that Dante Faber would be one. Uh, it would be interesting to see if Frederick Allard might get some time on defense if there are injuries. Um, Ellie Tolvanen will obviously be one if Milwaukee doesn't make the playoffs. We'll see what happens there, too. I think those are three guys that maybe – I mean, injuries, sickness, something is going to have to happen for somebody to make the make the roster because Mika Salamaki is also getting ready to be healthy, too, because he's actually on this trip. So he might see the ice as well. So we'll see. The, the roster doesn't have any limits, so it'll obviously expand here shortly. Okay, well, Glenn, two games before – before the weekend is over, we'll see what happens here. Good litmus test. And then Toronto mm-hmm. on Tuesday. And with the way the Toronto played against Chicago, well, you never know because yeah. up and down. All right, well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio. You can find stories, videos, more podcasts, and everything at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. For producer Josh, intern Allie, Glenn Blockle, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Nashville's Best Sports Talk on ESPN 1025 The Game. This is Penalty Box Radio.